Welcome to Building Blocks, connecting people, places, and policies. Building Blocks is a space for thought-provoking conversations about the current issues, trends, ideas, and big questions facing the affordable housing and community development field in the United States. I'm your host, Laurel Blatchford, president of Enterprise Community Partners. As a proven and powerful nonprofit, Enterprise creates opportunity for low and moderate income people through affordable housing in diverse, thriving communities. In 2004, Enterprise Community Partners launched the Green Communities Initiative, the first national green building program focused entirely on affordable housing. Since its inception, Enterprise Green Communities has led to the investment of $3.9 billion to create or preserve more than 127,000 green, healthy homes across the country while transforming policies at the state, local, and national level. We've recently announced the creation of the 2020 Green Communities Criteria, with the support of a new partner, the International Well Building Institute. By crosswalking the Well Version 2 building standard with our own 2015 criteria, we are hoping to create a new best-in-class certification pathway that not only makes well-designed homes affordable, but also advances our commitment to improved health outcomes for low- and moderate-income communities. So, Rachel, welcome. I'm really glad to have you here today. Uh, I want to dive straight in and ask you to describe the Well Building Standard and what you've been working on over the last few months. I know you're super excited about it. We're super excited to be partnering with you. But if you could just start by giving us an overview of WELL and what it means, that would be great. WELL is a third-party certification for buildings that drive toward health and well-being. And for WELL certification, we look across 10 different concepts that range from air quality, water quality, light, thermal comfort, uh, sound, to movement, mind, uh, or mental health, and community. It's similar to enterprise green communities and to LEAD in its implementation. It requires documentation that demonstrates that the project has achieved certain goals. Those goals then accrue to points up to 100 in the new version of, of WELL. But one differentiating factor for the well building standard is that it also requires performance testing so that we know that the outcomes that a project team is shooting for in the design or the operations of a building have actually been achieved. In layman's terms, we like to think of well as a kind of Fitbit for your building, providing you with that sense of what's going on on the inside and how that building is performing to drive human health-related outcomes like productivity, presenteeism, and improving business-related outcomes like recruitment or retention. And overall, what we see is an opportunity to provide these benefits to everyone that comes through the building, and in that way, treating health as an opportunity to be an equalizer within our homes, within our workplaces, within our schools and our places of worship. And then how do you measure those impacts? So you guys are relatively new on the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the impact space, one of the big challenges we have in the community development space is not only measuring them, but really understanding that you're looking at both short and long-term impacts. Absolutely. How are you thinking about that with this these 10 categories? Well, we are thinking about it a lot because (laughs) one of the key differentiators of WELL is that it's a performance-based system. And that means that in order to become certified, you actually have to demonstrate that the outcomes you were intending for have been achieved. So there's a few different ways in which we approach measurement. For those that are easy enough to measure, like we can measure now the quality of air across a number of different domains from particulate matter to CO2, 
or NO2. We can measure acoustical performance. We can measure water quality. For those more technical aspects, we have third-party testing agents who come in and actually test for those various attributes of performance using high-quality sensors by taking air and water samples that get shipped off to a lab. And ultimately, the results of all of those performance tests have to indicate that the project has met the required thresholds. But there's also a decent amount that is subjective in terms of its impact. For instance, thermal comfort isn't just a function of temperature and humidity. It's about the experience of the occupant. And so one of the other requirements of well is an annual survey that goes to those who are in the building, asking them about their own experiences. And that provides us with a sense of assurance that the building is performing as intended, but more importantly, it provides the owner with a kind of confidence that all of these well-intentioned interventions are actually achieving the desired outcomes. We all know that buildings are in constant flux, so it also gives those owners the opportunity to make sure that that fine-tuning of the building continues so that that building can continue to be optimized for health and performance. Can you say a little bit about what you learn between Well 1.0 and 2.0? You touched on the performance standard notion, but anything you'd add to that? I mean, it's, it's a quick iteration. Yeah. We at Enterprise have done the criteria sort of on a longer loop, and so interested to hear how you're learning and going from 1.0 to 2.0. Well, it was a humbling experience, I think, um, because we, I think we made a lot of really good choices with the first version of Well, but we also um, realized that a number of the choices that we made were getting in the way of our goals as opposed to helping us um, along toward them. Um, For instance, one of the major changes in the new version of Well, uh, Well version 2, is that we've moved away from the fixed constellation of features or like the fixed scorecard. And so we actually bring project teams on a journey to build their own scorecard from a library of various features. So there are a certain number of what we call preconditions or things that every project must do. And after that, you can choose your own adventure. What we learned with Well Version 1 is that a global standard that's trying to appeal to all building types can never be a one-size-fits-all. And so we were introducing various features that were tremendously important in certain parts of the world or for certain building types, but maybe less so for others. And so this was a major departure, not just from the first version of Well, but from uh, from green building uh, rating systems. But I think when it comes to human health, what we've found is that we've got to provide project teams with much more flexibility and much more empowerment to be able to select the features that will have the most meaningful outcomes for the occupants that they are serving. I think the other major lesson that we learned in well version one is that there's a big difference between what a well building should be and what a well building must be. And so in the new version of well, we have reduced the number of preconditions in favor of more optional features so that once again, we create more choice for those that are going through the certification and we honor the notion that there are many different ways all of them valid to drive toward better health outcomes for our communities. So before we pivot to affordable housing, I'm just interested to hear a little bit more about how you think about the sectors that WELL serves. So 
obviously we're most interested in housing and specifically affordable housing, but just talk a little bit about with Well 2.0, what's the breakdown of your clients, so to speak, between different real estate sectors and components? So like LEED, we, the initial version of Well was first crafted for commercial office spaces, and then we started riffing from there. Mm-hmm. The second most popular building type that is currently certifying under Well is multifamily residential. So we've learned a lot about creating healthy living spaces, and through this partnership with Enterprise, we'll learn a lot more about what that looks like when applied to affordable housing specifically. Now we're starting to see projects from all sectors come into the fold seeking well certification because in the new version of well, we've consolidated a bunch of different versions of well that we had created for different building types into a single vi- a single version. And now any building type can apply for well certification. So we see warehouses, which I think is particularly fascinating when you think about human health and warehouses and how those intersect. We see healthcare projects. We see a lot of education projects coming into the fold, retail, um, hospitality, hmm. pretty much so very diverse. Everything. Yeah. I, I think the we still see that the largest uptake is with commercial offices. And I think that that's because there's such a clear correlation to ROI. Uh, typical business will spend 90% or more than their annual operating budget on their people. And so all of these different interventions that show up in well are designed to inspire improvements in productivity, in focus, in cognition, reducing absenteeism. And so these things, they all translate directly to a business's bottom line. So I think we've seen a lot of success in making the case to owners of of businesses or developers of commercial office spaces who really see how this can be justified and why this is such a wise investment. Now we're starting to see that more and more consumers, particularly being driven by baby boomers, are expecting more from their housing and looking for places to live that will have great air quality, that will have drinkable water, that will have, you know, thermal comfort. It's new, I think, that consumers have that lens that they're looking through when they're identifying the next place that they're going to live. And as we've seen a lot of baby boomers moving back into cities and downsizing, as many of them are contending with late life uh, solutions for their own aging parents and thinking about where they're going to go when they get older, they're expectations or their their dreams for those places have have shifted they've evolved really interesting so when i think about the affordable housing sector in particular and i'm thinking as you're talking about the relationship let's say between a building owner and operator and residents it's challenging you know it's we have way more demand than supply so lots of dynamics go into that relationship even just day to day can you talk a little bit about sort of what brings you not only to our partnership, but sort of to the affordable housing sector? Like what what makes you passionate about that connection? I've heard you talk about that many times, so I know yeah. you are. Yeah. Um, and, and just taking that lens of, of health and bringing it into the affordable housing world. Tell, tell me a little bit about what like what gets you going on that? What do you see as the opportunity? Yeah. So you said that well is new on the scene, and that is true. But I'm not that new on the scene <laughs> because before I came to IWBI, I was with the U.S. Green Building Council, the creators of the LEED Green Building Rating System, for almost 10 years. 
And in my time at USGBC, I focused on education and in particular K-12 schools and colleges and universities. And this was part of what I believe was a very wise strategy that was devised by Rick Fedrizi, who was then the founder and CEO of the U.S. Green Building Council and is now the CEO of IWBI, my current organization. Rick knew that we could open more hearts and minds with a conversation about healthy, high-performing kids than we could by having a conversation about healthy, high-performing buildings. And so we, in many ways, we led with a conversation about schools because we knew that we could have a more bipartisan conversation. We knew that we could get people to act differently, to make better choices if we really were able to personalize these conversations and who doesn't want better outcomes for their children and for the children in their communities. And so the reason why Rick and I were both so drawn to this partnership with enterprises that I think when it comes to health and well-being in buildings, that there's a similar opportunity in focusing on affordable housing and even more broadly on the homes that we live in because they're, they are our most personal and intimate spaces. We view this movement toward healthy buildings as a kind of second wave of sustainability. This isn't something new. It's an opportunity to take what we've already done in advancing green buildings and sustainability to another level by tying it to the things that we really care about, which are our homes, our families, and our communities. The last thing that I'll say is that when Rick asked me to join him at IWBI, I only asked him one question which was whether it was his intention to ensure that well become a truly equitable tool, one that would level the playing field and be a kind of equalizer for everyone. We know that buildings can do that. We spend 90% of our time in them, and so many of those health impacts can be passive. In other words, they don't require active engagement by those who are inside of them. So in response to my question, Rick said, Yes, absolutely, that's my intention. We want to do the very same thing that we tried to do with LEAD. And I said, great, then I'll take the job. And he said, okay, terrific, it's your job to figure out how to get that done. (laughs) (laughs) And that has led us to this conversation with Enterprise because we feel as though in many ways already with the green building movement, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Well, now what we're hoping to do is partner up with those giants, with those who have made the biggest and best impacts in the world of sustainability and thinking about how we can extend and ride that second wave together. Yeah, we're very excited about it too um, and appreciate that. So let's shift a little bit to the green communities criteria. The team is working very closely together, the teams, I should say, and specifically working to incorporate your recommendations and thinking from the well platform into the next generation of criteria that we're going to be developing enterprise green green communities 2020 specifically on water quality minimum light levels acoustics nourishment so some of the things we've already talked about today but just want to make sure kind of grounding folks in that so i'm just interested like this sounds good at a high level right there's lots of potential how are you thinking we might operationalize this and what would success look like from your perspective Um, not to put you on the spot because I have my own (laughs) version of that too but I think there's just a lot of technical kind of things we can bring to each other and expertise and all of those component parts but like what's the impact right it's it's the big vision that you were just talking about how are we going to actually get there right well first of all I think it's going to be more a journey than a destination and as with 
either one of our rating systems, they're in a constant state of improvement and evolution. And that's particularly important when we think about human health. Because not only are we learning more about human health every day and the ways in which buildings can impact our human health, but we also know that the public health landscape is constantly changing and whatever we create has to be responsive. For instance, here in the United States, overdoses are the number one cause of death for men and women under 50, and that's being led by the opioid epidemic. So one of the new features in WELL is around preparedness for opioid emergencies. This wouldn't have been something that would have been on our radar even just a few years ago. So how we get there with enterprise, I think is similar to um, the exercise that we undertook in moving from well version one to well version two, which is that we begin by really asking ourselves what a healthy building must be. Um, of course, for version two, we ask what a well building must be. The beauty is that enterprise has already had a focus on human health by way of its criteria. So what we found when we looked under the hood at the criteria was that there were already many, many things at play in terms of improved ventilation, access to high quality and nutritious foods, air quality on the whole. These things are things that are already baked into the criteria. So it's not a question um, of how we're going to make enterprise green communities uh, or enterprise uh, uh, green communities a, a criteria that, um, that makes housing healthy. It does that. It's about how we can take that to the next level and make it even healthier. So I think right now our teams are focused on identifying what is the delta that exists between what the green communities criteria is today and what we think a, a well building must be. And I think one place where we'll pay particular attention is around performance mm -hmm. because we know that you can make the best decisions around air quality, but we could open this ream of paper here and there are going to be implications in terms of off-gassing. We bring in a new piece of furniture. Someone opens a pack of smelly markers. These things have an impact on air quality. And for the first time, we can measure those things with, with ease. And so looking at how we bring an element of performance or performance testing into the criteria is one, I think, really important place for us to focus our time and attention because that provides assurance for uh, the developers who are utilizing the criteria, but even more importantly for the people who are one day going to occupy those units. Yeah, there's so much to discover. As you said, it's definitely a journey. Yes. Um, the, the criteria are going to be things we're developing that's going to be over the next year, right? Yes. So lots to learn, lots of lots of places to meet and, and debate, I'm sure. <laughs> so I just want to shift gears one more time. I mean, needless to say, this partnership is very important to Enterprise, and thank you for, for having this conversation with me today and, and all of our future work together. I know that you recently became president of IWBI, and so just love the notion of another woman leading another organization that we're partnering with. So wanted to hear a little bit about your plans for IWBI from the kind of female leadership perspective or anything else you want to add for that matter. And just I'm not sure a little I bit have about anything like. other than a female leadership perspective. Yeah, so that's what you'll get. That's for exactly sure. <laughs> right. I shouldn't have said it that way. I was thinking, you know, whatever, whatever you want to touch on, but I think having you at the helm is, is critical for their success and, and certainly for our partnership. So 
wherever you want to go with that thought. I'd awesome. love to hear it. Hear I love the ideas. question and three cheers for lady presidents. <laughs> and it's been one of the really lovely things about navigating this partnership with enterprise that I'm able to see in you and in our dialogue another example of a female leader that really aligns with the kind of leader that I aspire to be. I think that there are many unique attributes that women can bring to the workplace that are advantageous to the larger business. And I see you living into those values every day. So it's been great to learn from you as well. Um, Right now, I'm really focused on what we can learn at IWBI from our own journey and our own experience about what it takes to build a culture of health and well-being. I think that it's very hard to identify what those factors are and then translate them into criteria. For instance, we know that education is vitally important for so many of the interventions that we call for, right? That um, you can provide all the healthy food choices, but if you're not educating people on why making healthy food choices is important, um, then then probably you won't shift behavior. You can. Um, Uh, have standing desks, but if you're not educating people on why prolonged periods of of sitting is detrimental to your body, then chances are people will use them at the seated height all the time. But that doesn't necessarily translate super easily into the criteria. It's hard to prescribe meaningful education. So there's a lot within well that addresses requirements related to, to education, but it's hard to write it in such a way that you make sure it's not just a book that shows up on a shelf in the library that nobody ever reads. And so we're trying to look inward to our own journey right now. We just moved into our new headquarters. It's a turnkey tenant space in a 100 plus year old building where we had very little input over the fixtures and the finishes and no control over the mechanical system. And so a lot of what we can do to really optimize that space has to do with the programs and the policies and the best practices that we hold ourselves to as an organization. And I think that by looking inward, we'll learn a lot that can then be translated back into well and hopefully back to this partnership. But even more importantly than that, I think that there's an aspect of authentic leadership that all of us at IWBI should be striving to lead healthier lives And we see that happening. It's so encouraging. Um, One of our employees has taken up a serious meditation practice because of what she's been exposed to at at IWBI. We have others who have lost a a lot of weight um, because they are encouraged and the healthy behaviors are reinforced. We have standing desks. We have activities that encourage movement. We have uh, great food choices and excellent programming around all of these things. And so to be able to see that our well space is having an impact on the health and well-being of our employees is really encouraging. And what we're trying to do is find more and more ways to reinforce that and bake that into the culture. One of my favorite quotes is from a book called Rework by 37 Signals. They're the creators of Basecamp and they say, you don't create culture. Culture is the byproduct of consistent behavior. So I think one of the things that I'm trying to do the most as the new president of IWBI is demonstrate that consistent behavior and that authentic commitment to our mission. Well, thank you for sharing that. 
Upcoming episodes of Building Blocks will explore a variety of topics in the housing and community development field and conversations with industry professionals, change makers, and enterprise experts. Please send your feedback to buildingblockspodcast at enterprisecommunity.org. Thank you for listening.